0: You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. Give me just a second here so that I can add in the Mile High Huddle Facebook page and get all of our wonderful Facebook subscribers into the chat as well. Uh, Looks like we have green check marks all the way across the board. Mile high. Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson. And joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Dude, Eric. It's game week, man. We are ready. We are less than forty-eight hours away from the Broncos kicking off at the MetLife Field against the New York Giants. How you doing, man? You excited for everything that's going on this weekend?
1: No, man. I'm just tired. No, <laughs> of, of course I'm super excited. Football's back. I mean, like it's been. It seems like it's been forever since football's gone at all. If I mean every single year. The month of even with how much I do for the draft and everything, as soon as the Super Bowl's over, it seems like five years have passed by the time we get around to kickoff. Mm-hmm. And last night, I mean, I didn't get to watch any of the game. It was my nephew's birthday. But just knowing that football back, that football is back, that kickoff regular season, like just was super exciting. And I'm just ready to go out there and watch the Broncos play some football.
0: Oh yeah, man! My my excitement level has turned up to eleven. Even after the day that I had today at work, it was it was a long day for me today. But I got back home uh, about forty five minutes ago and really got to settle in and, and dive into this game for the, the Broncos have coming up on Sunday. And I'm I'm stoked, man! I'm I was super excited for for training camp to roll around, even more so for the preseason games. But now football's real. We're gonna see the the top level guys all across the country, especially on the Broncos. You're gonna you get to see a lot of Von Miller. Uh, Cortland Sutton's gonna play a lot, obviously. Obviously, we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater. The entire offense is going to be good to go from the sound of it. Noah Fant sounds like he's a good to go as well. So I'm super stoked, man. The Broncos have a really good matchup against the Giants this week. They, uh, I mean, the, the Giants defense is a very underrated unit. It's not the best unit in the world, but they are very underrated. They have some really great pieces along, especially the interior front seven. Uh, like, There's a lot to like about this Giants, this Giants game. But, guys, before we break down everything, we're going to go three keys to the, the Broncos win, a couple of critical match to watch all of your guys' questions, as always, as we do on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. But before we get into that, guys, got to handle just a couple of quick manners of business. First things first, guys, I got a big uh, wish, a big congratulations to Howie freaking day on winning the Vaughn Miller jersey that they gave away the other day on the Huddle Up podcast and our last stars giveaway where we had 500,000 stars to do a Vaughn Miller jersey giveaway. We're doing the exact same thing this this month as well, only we dialed it back a little bit to make it a little bit more feasible. So hopefully we can get the, the, get the goal done by the end of September. So this month, guys, 250,000 stars on Facebook. Will will get you entered into a Justin Simmons Jersey giveaway right now. We're 9% complete um, top five star centers right now are uh, Samisi Moody. That's actually Liliana Moody. That's uh, Natani Moody's mom, Michael Ronquillo, who's been a big supporter of every single show. Stu McP- McPeak, the, uh, the Zeus himself up there on the mile high huddle, Mount Rushmore, Randy Jones, Shane Daniels, uh, Howie freaking Day back in the works, Travis Weber as well, uh, Simon Weeb, Gary Leeds Palmer, uh, Peter Middleton over there in Cambodia who does the Lord's work and helping us find all of the star donations on Facebook. But guys, also in this giveaway, we're doing another one for the YouTube channel as well. We're going to do the top five Super Chat superstars of the month are going to be put into a random draw. And and I mean, best best of luck to every single one of you guys. So get your Super Chats in, get your star donations in. Make sure you guys get as many tickets as you possibly can to win a Justin Simmons jersey, hopefully by the end of the month. Now, guys, you guys are also watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can find me on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH for Eric. At Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're on Twitter, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's where you're going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos, including film breakdowns, opinion articles, anything regarding Denver Broncos news. That's where you're going to find it. Now, Eric, let's just dive right into this entire into this uh, into this game with the the Broncos and the Giants. Uh, big injury news for the New York Giants. Tight end Evan Ingram is going to miss the game he is has been ruled out with a calf injury, did not participate all week. This week, there was questions if he was going to be able to play. Officially listed as out, uh, Saquon Barkley, who has an, uh, is coming off of that torn ACL from last season, is was limited participant all week. This week, he's actually questionable to play. Sounds like he's going to play. We're just not exactly sure how much. Uh, Kenny Galladay has a hamstring injury. Adoree Jackson is dealing with an ankle. So the Giants are coming into this into this game pretty banged up, man. I think the Broncos are going to have a, a pretty decent advantage here.
1: Well, definitely, and I think the biggest thing is one that you didn't even mention is that their starting left guard, Shane Lemieux, he's going to be playing on a partially torn patella tendon, and for an offensive lineman, that's so hindering for their movement ability, and going against Shelby Harris, I mean, he, playing him hurt, I mean, you got to take advantage of that, and so Shelby Harris, he's the right guy to help take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. They're moving Will Hernandez over to right guard because Shane Lemieux is more comfortable there and pacing him up off against Jamont Jones. Like these injuries, it's just a trickle-down effect of making it, giving Denver more advantages across the board. No Evan Ingram, well, that's going to help with Patrick Sertan. I mean, if Evan, Evan Ingram played in, that's a big role and a big test for Patrick Sertan. Now it's a little bit less. I can't think of who their backup tight end is off the top of my head. But I mean, it's definitely not the caliber that Evan Ingram can be when he's out there on the field he can sit there and give a little bit of help to the corner or to the the corner other corners covering the wide receivers covering Kenny who's expected to play um Kadarius Tony who's expected to play um Shepard that they have as well like so just a trickle down effect and these injuries that they have I mean bad luck for them but Denver has to go out there and take advantage of it
0: yeah, absolutely, and Kyle Rudolph is that backup tight end, by the way, and he is uh, actually dealing with – he was listed on the injury report as well, but it sounds like he's full good to go. Uh, he had a foot injury that kind of limited him throughout the week, but it sounds like he's good to go. They also have another tight end and Caden Smith that is banged up as well. So the Broncos, who have had notorious issues covering the tight end position, are actually going to catch a lucky break going against this Giants team. Now, before we flip over the, to the Broncos' side of the deal with their injury report, let's say hello to everybody in the chat. Uh, we've got um, – the see... Blue Cyber jumping in here. Uh, James Coke is jumping in here. Uh, George Newton saying hello. This is, uh, Zeus, man, jumping in hot right off the top rope with a $20 uh, super chat donation. Nothing to say, just showing some love. We appreciate that. He also dropped some stars earlier. Got to give a shout out to that one as well. Uh, Paul jumping in here as well. This is a cake game. We got this. We're going to do a score prediction here in just a little bit. We also have the Mile High Huddle Roundtable up on milehighhuddle.com right now. So after this episode is over, head on over to check that out for the entire staff prediction of the Broncos versus Giants game. We have uh, Ezekiel Vieira in the, in the house here. What's going on guys. Kenneth Patterson, Mark Lindemood jumping in here. There's that uh, stars donation from Stu, uh, Joseph Malinowski over on YouTube as well. Thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley deep divers podcast. We appreciate every single one of you guys that are in here this afternoon. Um, Getting right back to it, though, the Denver Broncos they have a couple of big injuries that they have to worry about as well. As I just aforementioned, Noah Fant has a knee injury. He was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday, but was full Thursday and Friday. It sounds like he is full, good to go. I'm not exactly sure if they're going to put him on a pitch count with Albert Okwagemonam coming off of that. Uh, um, off of that. ACL injury of his, uh, that he had last year as well, but it sounds like both uh, Alberto and Noah Fant are full good to go. Bradley Chubb, the outside the outside linebacker, edge defender for the Broncos, also dealing with an ankle injury. This is not the one that he had surgically repaired earlier in the offseason. It's a different one. Not exactly sure the full extent to it, but he was limited Thursday and Friday. It's questionable to play. Not exactly sure how much he's going to play, and we might potentially see a lot of Malik Reed and really a guy that shined in training camp and Jonathan Cooper Eric, what's your takeaways on that?
1: I mean, obviously you want Bradley Chubb to play. He is definitely in a different class um, above Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper. But the biggest thing too is that Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, mm-hmm. is I wouldn't I watched every single snap he played in the preseason. And it looks like that he actually regressed from last year, which is saying a lot because last year he was absolutely terrible out there on the field. And he does he leans and lunges and just constantly puts himself off balance, just so easy to take advantage. And Bradley Chubb, what say whatever you want about the number of sacks that he had last year. He does such a good job of maximizing leverage. And if Andrew Thomas leans a little bit, he's gonna capitalize off that. He's gonna make mm-hmm. it a um use that to his advantage so it's going to be very interesting to watch what happens there and hopefully bradley chubb is able to go if he does it's going to be on a snap count but even for 20 30 snaps on the game denver can use them to help keep the other pass rushers fresh a little bit and get some of this chemistry down on opposite ends between um von miller and bradley chubb
0: Right. Uh, you, you really kind of alluded to it. And that's the Andrew Thomas situation here because he has bad pad level. He does get, uh, get super top heavy at times. And Bradley Chubb, as you kind of alluded to really does win with great pad level strength, uh, speed to power. And he also has a really quick first step. And it's an underrated aspect for a guy that's 270 pounds. Like Bradley Chubb is super quick off the snap. And just like Von Miller, I mean, they are lightning quick coming around, uh, coming off the edge. So, the, the even if it is limited participation from Bradley Chubb, I really do expect him to take it to take it to Andrew Thomas and really get after the quarter, get after Daniel Jones. Uh, Eric and I were talking about this uh, coming up right before we went live about the like where Bradley Chubb is as, as far as like in the in the tiers of pass rush. Obviously, he's not a top five guy, but really, if you think about it, you go back and you look at his pass rush productivity grades, um, his uh, his win rates and stuff like that. The the amount of pressures he had was what we had what 52? Two total pressures last year which was seventh in the NFL even though he only had eight and a half sacks or eight sacks something like that it he wasn't necessarily getting home he's still very disruptive in the backfield so to me, if you if you don't have to play Bradley Chubb a lot in this particular game, kind of let him rest up, get him get him back into shape, and really get pushing forward for week two and three and for the rest of the season. To me, that might be the best route for the Broncos to take here because I do think that Jonathan Cooper is really going to have a, a a very decent game as well as that that I think he's probably going to be the first guy on the field on that side of the field because Malik Reed is really that backup to Von Miller.
1: I mean, it's. You're just like looking at semantics there with edge rushers. You move them around enough. Malik right. Reed, he showed he's comfortable enough rushing off the other side. I mean, he did that two years ago for Bradley Chubb. So, I mean, wherever he's listed on depth chart doesn't matter much. Bradley Chubb doesn't go. It's going to be a lot of Malik Reed out there. Jonathan Cooper will come in and spell them. But I mean, talking about this for the edge rushers for the Broncos going against or the going against this Giants offensive line. I mean. Another huge advantage that actually the Giants have is on the interior of their pass rush. Mm-hmm. Demarcus Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is probably one of the most underrated interior pass rushers in the NFL. They're going to be going facing off a lot against Lloyd Cushenberry, who really in the preseason didn't look any improved at all. They've got Dalton Reisner, who, is, who struggled a lot last year. We guys see growth from him. And Graham Glasgow, who is just Graham Glasgow. He's solid, but he's not great. Mm-hmm. And that can be very problematic for the Broncos offense. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, it's, he's still working on getting this new offense down. I mean, granted, he's very familiar with it. So it's not like brand new to him. It's just kind of a, uh, kind of getting new verbiage down or everything. He has a advantage of that. I mean, he spent time obviously in Minnesota in a very similar offense. He, he's familiar with it anyways. So it's not a huge deal that he's wanting it, but I mean, getting this pressure up the middle, taking away the inside running game that Pat Shermer likes to do is just very problematic. Demarcus Lawrence, Leonard Williams, the Denver's interior, they have to figure out a way to deal with them if they want to keep their run game going as it is and not let Bridgewater just get consistently pressured up the middle.
0: It's... which which Lawrence is it? It's not Marcus Lawrence. Marcus Lawrence is the Cowboys. Dexter Lawrence. Dexter that's Lawrence. that's it. Sorry, uh, apologies. Don't want to step on your toes there, but you are, you were absolutely correct there. And in my three keys to winning this game, let's just jump right into it. Um, the one of the biggest keys was establishing the wide zone running game. If they can get zone going, or that pin and pull game that they were using a lot last year, especially if you go back to that Miami Dolphins game back in Week thirteen, uh, that that pin pull running game and not running right directly at Dexter Lawrence and uh, and uh Leonard Williams because those two guys they're bullies man they are super strong they're incredibly athletic they do a really good job in the running game they're really great pass rushers as well but another aspect behind that is Blake Martinez Blake Martinez is an amazing linebacker he's a very underrated linebacker not the most athletic kind of a guy he's a little bit more athletic than Josie Jewell but he does a really good job scraping through the trash he makes a lot of plays in the running game and he can drop back into coverage like that's an underrated aspect to him. So you have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams up front mixing it up with with Dalton Reisner and Lloyd Cushenberry and Graham Glasgow, and then have a, a guy like Blake Martinez and even Jabril Peppers, who's a really good uh, run field defender on the inside. Like that's a like that's a big thing. The Broncos have to establish that they can get outside of the tackles in the running game. They can't they can't really rely on that inside zone aspect because Lloyd Cushionberry is still. I mean he he improved a lot in his strength and it's very noticeable, but he's still not strong enough not to go against a guy like Leonard Williams who might be one of the strongest interior defensive linemen in the entire NFL like this, this is a bad matchup for the Broncos there so they really have to get outside in the running game on offense I also like their ability to be able to use the quick passing game Now, one thing that uh, uh, the Giants do very well is they disguise their coverages a lot, and they have a lot of versatile players in that secondary. So it's going to be kind of hard to read, but Teddy Bridgewater does such a good job diagnosing things pre-snap, understanding where he needs to go with the football pre-snap, and then post-snap he actually delivers on that quickly. I think that the the quick passing game and the outside running game, whether it's zone or the pin and pull game, that's going to be the keys for this Broncos uh, offense to really take it to this Giants defense.
1: Yeah, and the last year, I mean, there's only so much you can look at from last year and bring it over to this year. I mean, it goes for both ways. The New York Giants defense last year was extremely underrated. They were a a top 12 unit at the very least. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they were just really good, but they also have a lot of moving pieces on the defense. A big reason why they were so good, especially up front was Dalvin Tomlinson mm-hmm. was just a tremendous player for them. And he's gone BJ Hill, a key rotational piece on their defensive line is gone. Kyler Fackrell was a starter for them and he's gone. I believe Julian love a starting safety for them is gone as well. So, I mean, Denver, they have a lot of moving pieces on their offense, basically at quarterback. I mean, a brand new quarterback and it's easier to, I don't want to say easier, but it's a overall when you have just one big rotating piece or two like the Broncos do with right tackle compared to five or six new pieces moving in and stepping into a starting. Well, it's a little bit easier to manage that, especially when the starting quarterback has familiarity with the scheme. These guys on the Broncos or on the Giants defense, they're not exactly familiar with it. So it's going to be a very interesting watch. I think this is going to be a defensive battle. I think though that the Broncos offense is going to manage to find their wins a little bit more often and the biggest reason for that isn't so much about the Broncos offense per se but I think that the Broncos defense is just going to give be so problematic for Daniel Jones who has more fumbles than he does career starts that he is just a get him pressure put him under pressure and he'll make multiple mistakes. I think that is going to be a bigger issue with them than and help Denver pull out the win in this one
0: yeah absolutely and to my second point you kind of just alluded to it it's the defense it goes the second key to the game is getting after daniel jones and we kind of already talked about it with von miller and uh and uh bradley chubb and jonathan cooper and the guys coming off the edge but you also alluded to it as well with shelby harris and draymond jones those guys getting after the passer along the interior of the defensive line daniel jones is a really good quarterback as far as running the football but that dude turns the football over more than uh, way more than drew lock it's actually quite amazing i heard a an interesting statistic today okay. um real quick Jay-
1: I, real quick i just want to mistake something is i said julian love is no longer with the giant that is is actually incorrect i just looked at the wrong wrong tab i had open oh so julian love is he's not a big piece in this
0: you're you're good. That's fine. I mean, every everyone gets one wrong every now and again. I mean, look at my track record. I have plenty of those out there. So, <laughs> but uh, Daniel Jones has played in 25 career games as a starting quarterback in the NFL. He has 29 total fumbles. He's averaging over a fumble per game. Like this is a big deal, especially for guys like Von Miller, who does a really good job creating strip sacks. Like he does a really good job forcing the ball out of the quarterback's hands in that aspect. Now, Daniel Jones threw 13 interceptions last uh, last season, and he had a really bad one. Against the New England Patriots in, their, in the third preseason game just a couple of weeks ago, throwing across his body inside the five yard line and threw a bad interception where it looked like he was—I uh, think it was—he was targeting Evan Ingram in uh, in a zone there. I can't remember who it was specifically, but like Daniel Jones turns the football over a lot, so that's the third key get after Daniel Jones first off, make him move off his spot and then force him into bad plays, bad turnovers because the Broncos have to start winning this turnover battle. And Vic Fangio kind of alluded to that saying that they want to force two to three turnovers every single game. And this Broncos defense has the guys that are able to do that. I mean, Justin Simmons had five interceptions last year. Uh, Kyle Fuller in this Vic Fangio defense led the NFL in 2018 in interceptions, Bryce Callahan, as well as a guy that can get his hands on some footballs. Um, and then you also have the strip sack ability of, of Von Miller, Bradley, Chubb, guys like that. Like it Daniel Jones is a turnover prone quarterback. And that is the big thing. You have to get Daniel Jones off his spot, make him make bad decisions and, and turn and force him into turnovers.
1: Yeah, and the issue with that is that you can't sacrifice your coverage to get your pressure on to on Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones, one thing that he actually does very well is he does he works the deep ball pretty well i mean the weapons that they have definitely helps but he works so well with timing and everything Mm -hmm. he was a top 10 quarterback last year when attacking 20 plus yards downfield Yep. i mean he had a really good adjusted completion percentage which counts for drops he had a very one of the he had one of if not the lowest turnover worthy plays when attacking deep very i mean just outstanding when attacking deep so you can't sacrifice his pressure which means that you got to be careful with your The blitzing that you bring, and this is going to be a game really that I think that Vic Fangio's philosophy of winning with as few pass rushes as possible really needs to to factor in, which is one good reason why Denver has such an advantage with their defensive front over the Giants' offensive line.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Now, getting on to the next part of this conversation here, uh, critical matchups to watch. Broncos versus Giants here. Offensive side of the football, I really am kind of curious how Noah Fant is going to go against Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan, to me, is is a solid player. Don't get me wrong. He's playing safety for the Giants. I think he's massively overrated in coverage. Like, he is not very good. A couple years ago, he's one of the worst uh, cornerbacks in coverage. I think he was actually graded out as the worst cornerback in coverage per pro football focus. So, Noah Fant over the middle of the field against Logan Ryan, where he can really use that athleticism and his size to bully Logan Ryan. I think, to me, that's a big key matchup for this Broncos offense to try to take advantage. Eric, what do you think about that?
1: I mean, it's... The issue that I have with that is who's actually going to be covering Noah Fant? Is it going to be Logan Ryan? Is it going to be Blake Martinez? I'd rather try to pull Noah Fant, um, pull Blake Martinez to cover Noah Fant, which possibly takes Noah Fant out of the game, but that is fine because with the receivers that the Broncos have, I would rather try to exploit Logan Ryan that way. Logan Ryan, he's still a very solid player, but he isn't what he used to be. And so getting him, trying to trying to get him matched up against like KJ Hamler in the slot or something like that would be just, Far more beneficial than having um, Blake Martinez um, circling the middle of the field and Noah Fant lined up against Logan Ryan.
0: Yeah, what do you think? Offensive matchup to watch for the Bron- for the Broncos.
1: I mean, Lloyd Cushionberry there- and how. Go ahead. What? I- I- Lloyd I- 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 and how he handles Dexter Lawrence and um, uh, Leonard Williams. I mean, those two guys they can just they can completely destroy the interior of it. Um, inside zone, that is the basis of Pat Shermer's running scheme. And if you can't do that, typically Pat Shermer's running concepts fall apart. It all revolves around what he's able to do on the inside zone. Hopefully he's able to, e- if they can't, hopefully he's e- been able to evolve past that. But, uh, I mean, we haven't seen it for his whole career. So, I mean, teach the old dog new tricks. I mean, you know that saying. So hopefully we see that outside of the center position against, outside of Cushionberry against these guys. Um, I would say that my matchup to watch would be whoever ends up going against Blake Martinez, whether it be Noah Fant, whether they're able to pull him onto a, a running back, whoever it is, Blake Martinez can be such a driving factor for this defense. Mm-hmm. He's so smart, so instinctive, not the best athlete, but that's okay because he makes up for it elsewhere that he is such an underrated linebacker, um, in my opinion, in the NFL. Um, probably not quite top five, but top six or seven at the very least. And he's just, he can fly, and you just got to uh, um, account for him just every snap of the game.
0: He got so much better in coverage Coming out of Green Bay and going to New York last year He was so much better in coverage last year Than he ever was in Green Bay And he was he was decent like he, he turned it on and a lot of it is Like you just alluded to, that instinctive level of play That he has, I really do like Blake Martinez A lot, and I, I don't know about Top 5-7, but it's definitely a good Argument, it's, it's hard to argue against that We're going to go back to the Stars Chats uh, Here really fast, Lawrence Rivera dropping 600 stars earlier, Stu McPeak with 500 As well, uh, Gary Leeds Palmer with 200 uh travis webb travis weber 125 and corwin robinson with 99 stars thank you all for all of it. everything you guys do seriously i say this every single week if it weren't for you guys we wouldn't be able to do what we do which is cover the denver broncos so we really do appreciate that now on the defensive side of the football uh to me it's it's von miller von miller against nate solder or andrew thomas nate solder is is older. He's 33 years old. He opted out last season uh, due to the ongoing pandemic. Um, He's, Starting to fall off a cliff ever since he left New England. He was already starting to see that age wall come to him closer and closer and closer. And Von Miller, from everything that I've heard, is as explosive as ever. There are some people up in Minnesota when they were doing the joint practices saying that Von Miller looks like the 2015 Von Miller, as far as his first step is concerned, as far as his bend is concerned. Now, to me, that right there, again, and it ties back into the Daniel Jones conversation because Von Miller does such a good job of taking the football away from the quarterback, even while he's taking him to the ground. That right there is the key matchup for the Broncos. They have to win with Von Miller and with Bradley Chubb on the edge because this offensive line for the New York Giants is really, really not good.
1: Yeah, Nate Solder, he peaked in 2015 and has been on a downward uh, spiral since then. Maybe the year off was beneficial for him, maybe not. It's going to be interesting to see because both Nate Solder and Von Miller having missed last year, it's the battle of these guys, and it's a battle of 2011 draft picks too. So that's one matchup. On the offensive line specifically, I'm excited to watch because, I mean, these guys are vets. They know their job. They know how to do their job. Now who's going to go out there and execute better? better? Um, whoever goes up against Andrew Thomas, I'm curious to watch because, quite frankly, my pre-draft opinion of Andrew Thomas was that he's not an offensive tackle in the NFL and not simply because I want the Broncos to win, but simply because I want my draft evaluation to prove correct. <laughs> I want Andrew Thomas to go out there and struggle. So it's a. Um, so that evaluation of, hey, he's really not a left tackle in the NFL um, comes into play. But um, I'm also really curious to see. I mean, Draymond Jones versus Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez, he's a. Decent athlete, not the best, and he can really struggle with quickness off the snap and quick moves. And that is quick twitchy athletes on the interior. And that's Draymond Jones's game. And how much can Draymond Jones use that to his advantage to get some early wins and get the interior pressure on Daniel Jones? I mean, Daniel Jones, he just struggles with pressure overall. But I mean, if you're just getting pressure up the edge and not up the middle, he does a good job of handling that. It's you got to just collapse the pocket from all angles. And just really put the pressure on him. And so it's going to be a need to be a work of unison between these Ed Rushers and the interior guys.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you there on everything. All right, let's go say hello to the chat here really fast. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here, drop some stars. Good evening, Lance and Eric. Good evening, Greg Smith and Broncos country. I uh, I was in the top five of the Von Miller jersey giveaway last week. Go Broncos. Yes, Michael, you were because you are, like I said earlier, just a super supporter of every single show. You come out in full support every single night. You hit us up on Twitter. You have good conversations with us. And we appreciate you, man, for, for everything that you do for us. Uh, we got a Giants fan in the chat, Krizan, Uh Krizan 26, who's actually been pretty, pretty good. He's throwing out some good comments and stuff like that. What's up, man? Thank you for joining us today. And uh, if you think you're, the, the Giants are winning this game, good luck to you, man. Cause I got some news for you, big dog. Just it's, say, guys,
1: um, it's fine. If a fan of another team's in here, I mean, it's yeah. great. It's just a football discussion. I mean, don't sit here and don't bully a guy from another team. And as long as you guys, as long as fans of other teams are coming in here being respectful, I mean, as uh, Cruzan is, I mean, come on now, just 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 have a nice little chat. It's definitely going to be an interesting game. I'm very excited to watch both these defenses. Yeah, me um, the what the Giants do on defense is something that is just, I, I love their scheme. I love the concepts they come up, and it's so much fun to watch. And I hope that the Giants have a have a good defense this year. Um, but I hope that it starts week two, not week one.
0: Yeah, it, that that Giants defense is really fun. I kind of alluded to it just a little bit ago. Um, they do a lot of really good disguise schemes, especially in their coverage they will do a lot of rotational coverage where they'll show too high and then rotate it to a single high and, and bring Jabril peppers down into the box, uh, moving, moving around into the flat and stuff like that. They actually drop Blake Martinez just straight vertical into It's almost a Tampa two kind of a look every now and again, they'll do some of some stuff like that. They mix in man, they mix in zone. But the, the biggest thing is, is the, just the disguise. It like, it's so fun to watch when you look at it in the all 22 angles where everything is moving and rotating and, and synergy and they're figuring out the way to cover up these holes and stuff like that. And, they also do a fairly decent job, especially with Dexter Lawrence and especially with Leonard Williams of creating that interior pass pressure. Um, they really do need to upgrade on the edge, though. Uh, I was listening to the radio earlier today. Uh, Lorenzo Carter is coming back. He's uh, their strong side linebacker, probably their their primary edge rusher from, from the one side. Um, he's coming back from a torn Achilles from last season, so it's going to be interesting to see how he looks. Uh, but then they actually went out and got a couple of young guys, and Aziz Ojolari and Quincy Roche. Eric, I know you were really high on both of those guys in the draft this year, specifically Aziz Ojolari, but uh, their starter on the opposite side of Lorenzo Carter is Oshane is, And I remember that name, but I don't remember the kind of style of player that he is. That's to me is a big thing because the the Broncos have Garrett Bowles, who was an all-pro last season and with chest-thump on that one, but they also have Bobby Massey who's a better pass protector than DeMar Dotson was, and he has a little bit more athleticism to move out in the running game. They can attack the edges here, and they're, they're going to have some better pass protection off the edge against this Giants front. To me, the biggest thing is they've got to really work on the interior.
1: Um, definitely. I mean, Oh, is a kind of a quicker, decent power pass rusher, um, but definitely wins with speed, which is going to be interesting to watch against Bobby Massey. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a comment in the chat, Chase Wellner with the $5 donation, says "Which rookie not on the Broncos. Are you excited to watch this Sunday? Um, well, just give me a second real quick. I'll pull it up. I know that, um, uh, is definitely one of the guys that I'm looking forward forward to seeing the most. um, but let me let me. There's grab- another one on there as well. I got to pull up the draft class because I can't remember. Uh, ba-da, 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 ba-da. I'm. Uh,
0: I'll just jump in here really fast. I'm intrigued to see. Uh, um. Diami Brown in Washington. I really do think that he's gonna he's gonna succeed a lot. They have some they have some injuries at the wide receiver position. Ryan Fitzpatrick does a good job working with the slot. Diami Brown is a guy that I'm really looking forward to offensively to watch. Um, and then. Uh, as far as defensively, Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips is one that I'm really intrigued by. I want to see how he does. So that's, I also want to grab this really fast before you jump in here, Eric. Uh, Seeing a lot of questions about Bradley Chubb uh, and Robert Caslow jumping in here asking if he's out for the season. He is not out for the season. He's not even out for this game. He's going to play this week. Um, He's just got a a nicked up ankle right now. Um, It's kind of holding him back. He's a little bit slow in his progression through that, but it does sound like he's going to play and it does sound like he's going to uh, play. Significantly, I'm guessing probably 50 60% of the snaps, anyways. But uh, no, he is not out for the season.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you like? The other guy that I was excited to watch is actually on the Giants pup list and in, in Aaron Robinson. So, mm. uh, yeah, so Naziz Ojalari, I'm very excited to see what he can be. Um, he was a guy that I was very high on the draft, but there were some uh, injury concerns with him that caused him to fall a little bit. So, we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, guys, get your questions in. we're going to kind of run, uh, run through some more stuff here. I got three keys to a Broncos loss coming up here in just a second. But uh, make sure you guys get your questions and we're going to open this up to the chat here for probably the last 15 to 20 minutes. Make sure you guys get all your questions, get all your super chats, get all your stars in, everything like that. And we'll be sure to handle as many of those as we can and hopefully do a little bit of rapid fire there. Now, three keys to a Broncos loss. And it goes back to Saquon Barkley first and foremost. What is he going to be able to do in the passing game? Not necessarily in the running game, in the passing game. If he does play a lot, uh, his rookie season he caught 91 passes for over 700 yards and and I think it was two or three touchdowns, something like that. And the well, Broncos have been notorious, not only bad covering tight ends, but also running backs out of the backfield. So if, if Saquon Barkley plays the majority of the game, that to me is a big thing. If they cannot limit his effectiveness in the passing game, that's going to be bad for this Broncos defense.
1: I mean, to be fair, his rookie year, he was like the only decent weapon on the offense. Cause I think yeah. they other I mean, they had other weapons, but I think they all got hurt his rookie year. Yep. I might be mistaken on that and mixing up years, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I agree with you. Being able to not necessarily shut down Saquon Barkley, but slow him down, both as a runner and as a um, pass catcher. Denver's defense last year, they had their moments of really struggling against the run. A lot of it was that after a certain point, teams were just able to consistently just run the ball and just eventually tire them out and break them down. So hopefully that the Broncos are able to keep that from happening this year, which should help their run defense. And they got to be able to limit what he does as a pass catcher. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a major safety net for Daniel Jones or any quarterback that's out there because of the caliber of player that he is. Mm -hmm. So being able to limit what he can do is going to put more pressure on Daniel Jones to go out there and perform. And the more pressure that's on there on Daniel Jones, not just physical pressure from pass rushers, but pressure on his shoulders. The mental side of things of it also can lead to mistakes. So if they can't take out Saquon Barkley, this could end up being a very rough day for them. And I'm going to go ahead and jump in with another key, at least for me, is I've talked about it quite a bit. I've mentioned it multiple times. Lloyd Cushenberry. I mean, to me, this is one of those games that you win or lose by what happens in the trenches. So if Lloyd Cushenberry can't handle Leonard Williams, Dexter Williams, and Austin Johnson, who is their starting nose tackle, then this is going to be a very long day for this Broncos offense. Lloyd Cushenberry has to step up and show that why he was drafted in the third or better yet why he was overdrafted in the third round by the Broncos last year and finally step up and perform.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to me and you're you're absolutely right. We've talked about it enough and I the, the other key that I had here was um, not being able to to get to Daniel Jones and not being able to, to get him to force, uh, force turnovers and stuff like that. Letting him use his legs is the biggest thing because Daniel Jones is actually an elite runner with the football. He has a lot multiple long runs for touchdowns. He does like to trip on his face a lot. So that's going to be really fun to watch if he does have that, that baby giraffe moment, because he's super long, super tall. The guy has the longest neck I've ever seen in my life. It's wild. But, uh, um, he is a very good runner with the football. He throws on the run pretty well as well. And like you said, the deep shot. If Daniel Jones gets the deep ball going, this Broncos defense can be in a lot of trouble there. Now, um, offensively, it, quite honestly, the the way that it scares me the most is, uh, this is a, the biggest key offensively, is Teddy Bridgewater has to take care of the football. Uh, turnovers and, and pass protection are like the two of the – and establishing the running game, those are always going to be three big keys. But Teddy Bridgewater cannot have one of those games where he throws, you know, two interceptions, doesn't put the ball in the end zone, and has a, a strip sack fumble because Daniel Jones might be able to do just enough against this team. And if, if the Broncos are losing any of their opportunities to score points, Daniel Jones, uh, while he may not score a whole bunch of touchdowns, they might kick a bunch of field goals. And then with this defensive battle, if the Broncos can't get the ball rolling – I mean, Daniel Jones can do some things, man. He really can. So Teddy Bridgewater really has to take care of the football.
1: I mean, he does. I mean, It's just a simple fact of you don't want to give their offense more opportunities mm-hmm. and you don't want to let their defense get extra opportunities for rest. I mean, this defense, any defense, even the Broncos defense this year, the more the opponent's offense has the ball, the more tired your defense gets. I mean, we see it time and time again with how these guys break down. So it's gotta be you can't get those certain you can't turn over the ball and that's something that teddy Bridwater does decently but not like he's not excellent at it um i actually have a couple pieces or a piece out breaking down his interceptions from last year and Mm -hmm. another piece that i'm working on right now and he can't make these kinds of mistakes there seems to be um a lot of it is that everybody talks about his arm strength and his arm strength comes into a factor on multiple of these interceptions but not in the way of oh he's under throwing the ball it's there's this on some of these shorter throws at times, he can just put a little too much on it and just sail past his his receiver and throw the interception. So he's got to watch that. He's got to settle down. And we can't see what he did against the Rams happen again in this one. We can't see him focus and concentrate on trying to get guys like Tim Patrick or Cortland Sun or Albert Oakway, but I'm involved. We can't have that. You gotta spread the ball out, he's gotta go out there and he's gotta be normal for lack of a better way to put it, he's got to put a normal Teddy in the fact of spreading the ball around, not necessarily the short throws, not necessarily the turnovers and stuff like that. I mean, well, including not turning the ball over, of course, but spreading the ball around, just using your weapons, trusting your weapons, letting your weapons go out there and make plays.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump back to the chat here. We've got about, 24 minutes and some change to, to run through a bunch of these questions here. Uh, James, James Koch coming in with a really good point. The Broncos have to be mentally tough with the anniversary of 9 11. The New York crowd is going to be even more raucous than they already are. Uh, they got to stay patient, but aggressive. Go Broncos, baby. And yeah, that to me. It, that's, that's a big X factor in this game. I mean it's it's the city of New York. That whole city is going to be on fire on Sunday, especially for this Broncos game. Um, and that can that can really fuel a team in in a certain way. It's, your crowd's all raucous and they' they're, they're fired up from what happened uh, 20 years ago tomorrow. Um, and that's always 9/11 is always a big somber day. Eric, you know that for me. Um, I, I, it's just it means so much, especially to that city. And those players could come out, and that could be the, the biggest X factor in this game, Like, quite honestly. That that one is a very astute point, James, and I appreciate you for bringing that up. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Robert Caswell jumping in here. Uh, what part of the Giants is better, offense or defense, Eric? Defense. Absolutely. Easily. There's- Yep. No question about that. And uh, quite honestly, because a big part of it, especially for week one, is the injuries to uh, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley not being fully healthy, Kenny Galladay dealing with a – was it a hamstring or a groin? For who? For Kenny Galladay. I think it was a hamstring injury. A hamstring Uh,
1: is what was listed. Okay,
0: um, so yeah, the the offensive weapons, and then Daniel Jones just being such an inconsistent quarterback, especially you know turning the football over—that's a big thing here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there was a couple of good ones up here.
1: I just want to grab this one from Jay Cozad about you guys don't sound too confident. Uh, no, we're both confident that the Broncos will walk out with a win in this one. Yep. Um, I mean, everybody on the Myla Heddle staff—we all picked the Broncos to win. Um, you guys can check that out on milehighhuddle.com and uh, go and read our predictions and why we have it being uh, the way we do
0: yeah absolutely um and a lot of what i've said tonight we're we're just trying to break it down for you from all angles um this is what we do on the dove valley deep divers we don't attack just one single thing we want to bring every single factor into it for you guys so and it may sound a little bit monotone sometimes and may sound like we're not bringing bringing it to you with the most confidence but it's confidence in our opinions and we want to bring to you every single one of those uh Towards the end of the show, I'll do my prediction for you guys, Eric. I don't know if you're going to do that, if you're just going to keep pointing them to the the uh, Mile High Huddle article. But uh, no, you guys are you're going to hear the confidence that I have, especially tonight. Uh, let's see here, Michael Ronquillo jumping back in. I think he has some stars on this one as well. Who will score the first touchdown for the Denver Broncos against the Giants? Go Broncos, Eric. What do you think? Corlin Sutton. I'm going to disagree with you because I've got a uh, and That's I mean okay.
1: you're being wrong.
0: Well, no, it's it, this is this is bold prediction, because the uh, th- where is it at here? Actually, you know, I'll just grab the first one. Uh, Sertan is looking forward to seeing, uh, as well as Lawrence Wilson, Jones, and Trey Lance. This is talking about the rookies. Patrick Sertan is going to have a pick six on on uh, on Daniel Jones, so that's going to be the first touchdown. Pat Sertan. Is gonna again silence all the people that said that they should have went out and got Justin Fields, got much like he did against the Minnesota Vikings, and take one to the house for the first score for the Broncos, first score of the game. Actually, I call that now. Nice you
1: vibe. were one of those people, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, you know what? I was, and I, I I was also one of those guys that said it doesn't necessarily matter. Like I, I can want Justin Fields all I want to, like, and it, that ship sailed. It's it's a done conversation. I can want Justin Fields and think that it was a bad move, but also still at the same time think that Pat Sertan is an amazing player. And the Broncos picked a, a great player, a, a top five cornerback, a, a guy with that kind of upside. But in the situation of where it was, the quarterback was more important than the cornerback. So there is the criticism there. Now I do, I do love Passer Tan. I think that he was a great player. I didn't like the scheme fit, but it looks like they're figuring out ways to use him the right way. And I am very high on him in this defense. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that by any stretch of the imagination. So there's that. We'll just end that conversation there. Uh, let's see here um who do you think will have more rushing yards uh is this going to be on the season or is this going to be just in the game uh melvin gordon or javante williams eric let's do both actually let's do both
1: melvin gordon for both melvin gordon unless, for he, both. unless he gets hurt
0: okay and that's that's a fair thing um the one thing i will counter on that as well as if he has those fumbling issues trans uh, just continue that he's had for the majority of his career um i don't think that uh they're going to they're 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 Cashroom is not going to allow that to happen again. And if I. Remember correctly. I think Javante Williams only had like one fumble in almost 500 career carries at North Carolina. Like that guy doesn't fumble the football. So that to me is a is another one. Uh, but I'm gonna agree with you. Melvin Gordon will have more rushing yards on the season and against the Giants. I think they're gonna slowly work Javante Williams in, and I think that's what the plan really was for the entire majority of the season because Melvin Gordon's making eight million dollars and Javante Williams is their prized possession as a, a guy they traded up for in the second round to go and draft. They want him as the future, so they're gonna limit his impact early, maybe move more towards him towards the end of the season to keep Melvin Gordon fresh for a potential playoff run because I think this Broncos team has enough ability to go to the playoffs this season. Um, I will
1: add, though, that if the Broncos can't figure out how to handle Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams up front, then it would make more sense for them to go to, to Javante Williams more often in this game than Melvin Gordon.
0: Yes, it would because of his his vision and his ability to bounce it to the outside. And I do cool. like the
1: his physicality. That's that's he's also far, very sure he's far more physical than Melvin Gordon. So if they're constantly crashing up the middle and everything, I would trust him to break the tackles more to get some positive yards than Melvin Gordon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peter Terranova jumping in here. Uh, does Pat Sertan play the first snap on defense? I'm going to jump this one off really fast. Um, it depends. And I know that that's a, like a cop-out answer, but to me – um, it, it depends on the the package that the giants roll out on their first snap and what the Broncos think that they're going to be able to do against that because passer tan, while he was a, a top 10 pick right now could be considered quarterback four on this roster behind, you know, Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby and Bryce Callahan. So they could roll out their nickel package and have those three guys on the field before passer tan. Um, if the, if the Giants run three wide with an, with a tight end as well and they want to run a, a dime package or even a, a, a lighter nickel that essentially and have Sertan play that star role, that star safety role, they, they could potentially do that. It's just hard to tell at this particular point. So I'm not going to say yes or no specifically until I know a little bit more. And then, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a long, long walk to a small drink of water there, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, Eric, what do you think?
1: I mean, there's obviously so many variables in it. I mean, what do they line up in? I'm not going to sit there and say that he will, but I won't say that he won't either because there's just so many variables about it. And I have Tez Esquirener saying, "You guys think Williams is more physical than Gordon? That is cap. Uh, no, that is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, Melvin Gordon just doesn't handle contact very well. He's one of the worst guys when it comes to creating yards after contact for himself, and he does. He's one of the worst guards when it comes to breaking through these tackles and mi- forcing missed tackles. So." Like Javante Williams is just far more physical.
0: Javante Williams, didn't Javante Williams set the NCAA record last season for most broken tackles in a single season?
1: Like something like that, yeah.
0: It's ridiculous. And Melvin Gordon, yeah, while he he's a physical runner, especially inside the five, like that guy is he has a nose for the end zone. That's to be sure. But as far as an every single down player, Melvin Gordon does slip up on first contact a little bit more and he doesn't have the best balance either. Like quite honestly, Javante Williams with this balance after he bounces off a guy to continue to get back to full speed as quickly as he does. Uh, Javante Williams is going to be a a special player. And I, yes, he is a more physical runner than, um, than uh, Javante Williams is. Let's see here. Um, See if I can find, Another good one here. Uh, I don't want to. I'll grab it. It's a it's a rough question. Uh, is Bradley no. Chubb a bust? Considering we could have kept Shaq Barrett. Not no. Yet. no. Not yet. You gotta you gotta get him through the through the rookie contract at least. He has to play well this year. I will say that he has to play well this year, and he has been playing well. Um, one could argue he is in the top. 10 to 12 edge rushers in the NFL based on his production. A big problem is, and Eric and I were talking, like I said, we were talking about this earlier before we went live. Um, you have the injury issues there. And then also some of the lack of productivity as far as the sack numbers go. However, sack numbers don't, aren't a true indication of how effective an edge rusher is. I mean, you have the pass rush win rate, how many pressures he got, uh, how disruptive he was as far as in the running game. And Bradley Chubb's a great run defender as well. Um I, I won't say that he's a bust right now, and I'm not even going to say that he's going to trend that way, but I will say that for a top five pick, it has been just a little bit underwhelming in my opinion.
1: I definitely agree. I mean, this is a guy who he had a very promising rookie year then missed a year or missed 12 games. Then came back in last year. He had a very solid year. I mean, I don't think people realize just how good of a year he actually had last year. Um, he was, double teamed on like over 80% of his reps. I can't remember the exact number of it. I mean, it was just a a large na- amount of his um, percentage of his total uh, pass rush snaps, and he still managed to get one of the highest amount of pressures off the edge. I mean, he had a really good year, but the injuries are concerning. He missed time um his rookie, or he's missed time multiple years, including that um uh, the year that he tore his ACL. So, got to see what he is. Um, right now, he's probably looking at a deal a little over $20 million simply because of the what T.J. Watt just set with his new contract for the right. new price range for it. I mean, that's Tier 1. Bradley Chubb's in that Tier 2, which is probably 20 to $25 million uh, on an average per year basis. So, I mean, he, he's good. But good news is that Denver has some time before coming to his contract. So, uh, we'll see what happens this year before we really determine where his cost should actually fall in.
0: And I, while I agree with you, I, I do still think, and again, we were talking about this earlier, I, I think there needs to be some injury protection there as well, especially if the Broncos are going to extend him a contract uh, right immediately following this season. They have extended the fifth year option to him, so they have that in their pocket to kind of work with as well, maybe get another year underneath their belt and, and really take a, a good long look as a prove it deal. Um, to me, somewhere between the 18 to 22 million preferably about 20 million would be the area that I would pay him as of right now, based on the production and the injury concerns, which you can also add escalators in that guarantee a higher portion of that salary to maybe make it a little bit more uh, amicable for him to, to sign that kind of a contract. Um, it, it's a, it's a very interesting con- uh, conversation because there's so many different facets that you have to take a look at this from, I mean, you can look at it from, you know, a, a thousand different angles and come up with a, not even a single same answer in either way of it. Um, because when he's on the field, he's a, top 10 pass rusher it, but the problem is he's just not on the you missed that full season he's got the ankle injuries now I'm um, going to be kind of limited to start this season and we still just don't know I mean three torn ACLs in his career that's a that's a big qualifier that you got to kind of take a take a look at so I mean that's food for thought for everybody on on that one right there Robert Caswell jumping back in because he's got the most fire questions but passing to the running backs make a difference for this Broncos offense Eric
1: yeah I mean, being able to utilize them in the passing in the game just helps open up so much because then you – in a way, it's a form of running the ball, if, especially if it's short behind the line of scrimmage. So you can't have your safeties choke up completely on the deep ball, but they can't sit there and not bring people down in the box to ease up the deep ball. They have to kind of have this balance to it. So, yeah, I mean, anytime you get your running backs to make plays, it's always good for the offense. I mean, even if it's little three-, four-yard pickups – with the dump off pass. I mean, a positive gain is a positive gain.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And that was a big reason as to why I was kind of frustrated with the with the release of Royce Freeman. I, I knew that it was coming, but still he played very well in the preseason, and he's always been a really good receiver. That just adds another dynamic to this Broncos offense, especially if they have some multiplicity where they can line up not only in the backfield but out wide where you can use them in that kind of an aspect. And Royce Freeman did a really good job doing that. Melvin Gordon can do that as well, and I'm not so sure about Javante Williams, but he does have pretty decent receiving ability especially over the middle of the field where you're using them on like Texas concepts so that'd be like an angle route coming out of the backfield um little flood concepts as well stuff like that where you can target and really focus on getting the the running backs into the passing game and Pat Shermer even though he didn't really do that last year that's been a big staple of his offense I mean look at what he was doing with uh um with the, the, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, look at what he was doing with the Cleveland Browns there. And then also again, going back to his time with the New York giants where they made Saquon Barkley uh, through injury just a little bit. I will say that, but they made Saquon Barkley a a primary focus in the passing game for his first two seasons. So to me that, as Eric said, it opens up just so many different facets to this, this Broncos offense that you really kind of have to make that a focus of the offense, especially with Teddy Bridgewater under center. So,
1: and, uh, Here's a comment I want to grab simply because we touch on it a little bit and just explain a little bit. Uh Jay Coza says, No way I give him Von Miller Von money unless he balls out. Well, here's the issue. What Von Miller money, that 19 million on the average per year basis, was the highest defensive contract for a NFL player at that time. Mm-hmm. That is now like low-end tier two edge rusher money, thanks to the contracts handed out to Bosa and TJ Watt and uh, Miles Garrett. Tier one guys are now getting eight nine ten million dollars more on an average per year basis mm-hmm. than von miller is so it, you can't really sit there and say von miller money because you have to factor in for the inflation on the market the new tv deal all these factors that go into how much these players get von miller money with inflation now is like 28 29 million dollars on an average per year basis it is this tj watt level of a contract so no we're not saying give Bradley chubb to uh, von miller money we're giving saying give von miller what is fair for an edge 2 or a tier 2 edge rusher which now due to inflation is about 20 to 25 million right around 22 million really whereas when von miller got his deal it was probably about 12 to 15 million.
0: Yeah. And that that's the biggest thing cuz when von miller signed that contract i believe that was going into the 2016 season after he played on uh, after he got, got franchise tagged by John Elway. And like you said, at the time, that 19 and a half million, I mean, TJ Watt just got paid four years, $112 million or something like that. It's like $28 million on an average per year basis. Like that's quarterback money right now. Like still there's, there's quarterbacks making that kind of money. I mean, Derek Carr's still making that kind of money. Like, that's that's a lot but also there's a new tv deal coming in here in the next couple of seasons uh, i think that actually starts next year so the salary cap's going to rise there's going to be more money to be able to pass out to these players um the 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 Steelers i think got this in is he still on his contract right now which would be his rookie contract is that a true extension he or is, on- is that
1: He's on his rookie contract right now. His extension doesn't kick until next year.
0: Yeah. So it's perfect. It's perfect. And because th- the Steelers use that, they've got him extended out for a long time. They're going to take it uh, that last year, of uh, his, his cost control this year, hopefully reap some more benefits and hopefully pray he doesn't get hurt. But then next year, when the salary cap jumps gigantically, it's th- like that $28 million is still going to be, I don't even know how much it's going to jump, probably 15 to 20% of the salary cap. Like there, there's plenty of room to work with that 20 $28 million for an edge rusher. That's going to be the new normal, but we're also going to see quarterbacks getting 45, $50 million a season. So there's, there's some give and take ebb and flow. Like I Bradley Chubb at 22 million right now would seem a little bit rich to me next year when the salary cap jumps, that's going to be middle of the road money. So it's, it's again, the multiple different angles here. Uh, let's see here. Let's see if we can't find another couple of good ones. If not, we're going to sign off for the night. Uh, Lawrence, I tried to do that just a little bit, and I actually have – let's see. Where did it go? I know you just dropped some stars. I want to give you a shout-out on that right here. Uh, Dropping some stars on Facebook. Uh, said something about we had a better coaching staff uh, that year and more often, so I'm not exactly sure what that comment is about. But just wanted to uh, show you some appreciation, and, and uh, thank you for the shout-out. Thank you for the stars, and we appreciate you for joining us tonight, man. Um, let's see here. Is the Broncos O-line better at pass protection or in the running game? That's a good question.
1: Um, I'd say rarely neither because the same players, the weakness in both of them.
0: Yeah. And you, especially on the offensive line, you are only as good as your weakest link. Like, and that's, I, that, that's a super cliche, but, uh, um, it, it is actually very true.
1: um, Trevor Trevor Sandell came in. Quick thoughts on Matt Corral. Um, I actually have an article up talking about 14 quarterbacks that might be in this upcoming draft. Some of them, of course, can decide to return. Um, Matt Corral, I, my first initial watch of him earlier this summer um, wasn't super high on him. Um, but I went back and I watched him again for my second one. Um, I have right now he's one of my favorites for this quarterback class not a top guy I still think Malik Williams is the best and then Spencer Ratlers right behind him but Matt Croll could possibly end up my quarterback three for this class um so and then Robert Castle Duncan on Cush always always you're muted
0: there's a, sorry about that guys. Uh, my, my son is starting to freak out. So we're going to have to wrap this up here in just a minute, but, uh, um, there's the, we, it was, that's what Eric does. He dunks on Lloyd Cushionberry all the time. Like we've got the Teddy Bridgewater guys. We've got the Garrett Bowles guys that just continually Bo- knock somebody. But I will say in Eric's defense, he has come back around earlier this offseason saying that, uh, Lloyd Cushionberry has looked a lot better compared to what he was last year. So, well, yeah, no, I,
1: I, I thought that was what the talks were, and once games started, yeah, that wasn't the case. <laughs> um, so the funniest thing happened is my first article, Breaking Down Teddy Bridgewater Interceptions, came down, and all summer long, all spring long, going back to middle of last year, I was called nothing but a Drew Lock hater. Well... Immediately after this published, I had a guy message me on Twitter, sitting there calling me a uh, Teddy Bridgewater hater and telling me to break down Drew Locke's interceptions. Like, eventually, people will realize that if a player plays poorly, I'm going to call them out on it. If a player plays well, I'll call them out on it. Like, I don't pick favorites. I don't think Lloyd Cushionberry was good last year and until he proved me wrong. Lloyd Cushionberry was a bad pick i mean he, he, he hasn't played up to expectations he was overdrafted and yes maybe a little bit of this is just anger that the freaking atlanta falcons took my guy just a little bit before they were able to get it but uh um yeah lloyd cushionberry was i mean they never made it clear they drafted a guy to come in and compete for him in the third round they made it clear that they weren't happy with his production last year so i mean hopefully he goes out there and he proves it wrong because i want every player that the broncos draft to succeed but uh it's not looking good for Cushenberry.
0: I was a big fan of Lloyd Cushenberry. I know that you were a, a Matt Hennessy guy, um, that dude from Temple, who's actually yeah. starting for the uh, Atlanta Falcons, I believe. Um, but. Uh Berry, i didn't i i knew that the functional strength was an issue with him at uh lsu but it didn't seem to be that big of a deal i wonder if there was some some more it was they used him a lot more athletically and got him out in front and got him on some linebackers now that he actually has to take on some interior defensive linemen that lack of functional strength really shows and it's it's not good let's just let's just Um,
1: cleats 2k centers need more time to develop bro um no center is actually one of the easiest positions to transition to on the offensive line
0: Yes, it is. Uh, the one thing that I will counter with you on that is uh, learning the offense and understanding the line checks and stuff like that. However, if you have a quality quarterback, they don't need to know that. Oops, sorry. That's that's my well, bad
1: for this. On top of that <laughs> is the fact that we finally got word this year that Lloyd Cushenberry seems to have the offense down this uh, from this summer. Like – yeah, that's not very, uh, um, you know, comforting.
0: I will, I will say though that it is incredibly frustrating when you go back and you watch. It's even on the broadcast view, and if you, if you, you like, you don't even have to listen very hard. You can see Quinn Miners calling out a line protection. He's calling he says Mike is number fifty six, and then gets down on the uh, to snap the ball to Drew Locke, like a first year center that hasn't played football in six hundred days, that is uh, brand new to the position is calling out the offensive line calls for Drew Locke, who's been in the NFL for three years and in the system for two. Sorry, my guy. It just doesn't work. Peter Middleton jumping in here with some stars. Thanks, man. We appreciate that. All the way over in Cambodia. We missed you for the majority of the chat. I didn't see your name pop up, but thank you for joining, even if you are just a little bit late here. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Let's see here. Any Any other ones that we can grab?
1: No, let's get out of here.
0: All right, man. Sounds good to me. Thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow me on Twitter at SandersonMHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Guys, also, while you're at it, make sure you follow at dvdd underscore pod. That's where you're going to find out what we're talking about on the Dove Valley Deep Divers every Friday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, also, guys, at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account. That's where you're going to get breaking news and analysis, film breakdowns, opinion articles, anything regarding your Denver Broncos. That is where you're going to get it. Uh, Facebook supporters. Make sure you guys go to Facebook.com. Go uh, slash mile high huddle click that blue become a supporter button that's where you guys are going to get some premium content it costs five dollars a month i believe is what it is but you're going to get three premium shows including the trickle zone which airs every saturday at noon you're also going to get Kellerman's corner and broncos book club but eric what do you got going on for uh the trickle zone this week just more uh more pre-game stuff
1: more pregame stuff more breaking down what the giants and broncos game um real quick brian greenfield came in with a late five dollar donation thank you brian we appreciate that thanks BG. um yeah um, I'm gonna have trickle zone this week, and e- trickle zone during the season is going to be breaking down prospects. However, early notification um, Saturday, September 25th, there will be no trickle zone. I will be on my plane on a plane headed to Denver at that normal time, um, for the meet and greet on the 26th.
0: Didn't you say it was like 31 hours worth of trip and flying time
1: or something my like that? Well, my total trip time is like 65 hours and 31 or, or 32 and a half hours of that will be spent either in airplanes or at an airport.
0: Yeah. That's going to be lots of fun for you. Um, I, I also, I, I, do know that you like to fly those. So that's, that's a, some area. kind of a saving grace, man. Uh, All right, let's continue on with this. Uh, Guys, if you're financially capable of doing so and you really like the show, you really want to show a great amount of support, head on over to HuddleUpPod.com. Guys, that's where you're going to get one of these Dove Valley Deep Divers hats. You're going to get T-shirts. There's a a face mask, a coffee cup, hoodies, anything that suits your fancy. You're going to find it there at HuddleUpPod.com. And if not, guys... Make sure if you're not financially able to do so, or that's just not your bag, you don't want merch, anything like that. Everybody should be doing these three things. Subscribe, wherever you guys are watching this, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, doesn't matter. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see, and if you love it, share it, get it out in front of as many Broncos fans as you possibly can because that is the most organic way that you can help grow the show and help us do what we do best which is cover your Denver Broncos also one more last thing guys I want to just give another quick shout out to Howie Freaking Day on Facebook for winning the Von Miller jersey last week we are doing another jersey giveaway this month will be Justin Simmons uh, the new goal 250,000 stars on Facebook to make sure that we get that done within the month of September and on YouTube the top five Super Chat superstars are all going to be put into a hat there's going to be a giveaway for the facebook community and one for the super chat superstars as well so guys make sure every single show get in there show some love to everybody show some love to the uh, building the broncos crew mile high insiders who i'll be filling in for nick tomorrow by the way i'll be on uh mile high insiders with luke patterson tomorrow at six o'clock and also as always um show your love to the broncos for breakfast and of course the huddle up podcast but with that guys i think we're going to wrap today's show up but before we go eric any last words
1: all right, you said you would do it. What's what's your score prediction?
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Okay, so to me I don't think this game's close. The 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 Vegas has it wrong, the the odds makers have it wrong. They have the Broncos favored by 3. I think it's a blowout. I really do. I think that the, the Broncos' offense is going uh, to score a, a handful of touchdowns. If you're going to get a pass for 10, pick six. That's one of the takeaways that I predicted. Uh, 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 Daniel Jones' fumble as well. Teddy Bridgewater is going to take advantage. They're going to control this game. I have it as 31-13, to 13 Denver winning in a blowout. Make a statement, opening week.
1: All right. Well, guys, hope you have a wonderful weekend. Go Broncos. And uh, next week, we'll be able to either – well, actually, I don't think it would laugh is the right word, will either be able to cry with Lance or uh, sit there and celebrate with him. So,
0: I, Why? Why do you have to be this way? Why are you the way that you are? And look at all these score predictions coming in here. we got Peter Middleton, 34-10, Mark Lindemood, 24-10. Uh, Mark, thank you for uh, for jumping in, man. We appreciate that. We, I think you dropped some stars that I might have missed, and I apologize for that, but my stream jumped. I was trying to get back to get to that. Uh, Lawrence Rivera, 24-21. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here, 35-10 to 10 as well. So a couple of blowouts. I know uh, I heard 27-10. Uh, to 10. And a 31 to 10 score from the Broncos country tonight, guys, on KOA radio earlier today. So, uh, to me, yeah, it's it's a blowout. This this thing is not going to be close. But with that, guys, thank you all once again for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe, take care, have a great rest of your guys' weekend. Cheer loud, and as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys next time uh, next week, same time, same place.